First uh, John 5, uh, beginning at verse 1, and this is God's word. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood. And these three agree. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God that he is born concerning his Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. And whoever does not believe God has made him a liar. Because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his Son. And this is the testimony. That God gave us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. And whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. As we met for prayer this morning, an individual who will remain nameless came into the room and absolutely torpedoed anybody that was in good form. And he waltzed and he started telling us about global warming and how it was probably too late to do anything about it. We were all doomed, basically was what Winston was saying. And as we tried to wrestle with that and, and he knocked the stuffing out of us and all the mothers that were sitting there were weeping. They were enjoying their flowers and their cards and then just burst into tears. It was awful. But I tried to make it better by, by telling the people that I had heard this week on a podcast that I was listening to that even if we stop burning fossil fuels right now, I mean everybody in the world, anywhere, even if we did it right now, we're probably still doomed. And it would take the world about a thousand years before it would right itself. So I was trying to encourage people uh, by telling them that, to, to basically say, don't listen to Winston who tells us we're all doomed. Don't worry about it, because we are all doomed, basically was my message. I, I'll need to think about that and, and how I bring encouragement to people uh, in future. But here's the thing. Whether you're worried about being all doomed or not, or whether you were raging on Friday because we didn't exit the EU uh, like was promised, and that will be the only mention of Brexit this morning. Whether you've entered into this church or not, fearing for the future, there's something extraordinary that has happened in your life. As you waltz in here this morning as a, as a child of God, as a man or woman of faith, and maybe we are all doomed according to global warming. Maybe we will never leave the EU as we have appeared to discover on Friday. But something worth shouting about, going into church and going into prayer meetings and going into B&M and Poundland, something worth shouting about has happened 
in your life and in mine. And it is this that John finishes his letter. Certainly throughout the letter of John, he has told us about antichrists who have already come. He has warned us about false teachers. In this letter, he has urged us to love one another and to follow after God. Be like Enoch, we could say, walk after the Lord. He has urged us to do this. But in chapter 5, he brings his letter to a close with a word of true encouragement. And I want you to listen to this with open ears and soft hearts if you are a Christian, if you are a child of God, because this is for you. Regardless of what is in the newspapers or what comes in the start of prayer meetings, this is for you. John says in verse 1, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. In this opening verse, and we could spend all morning on it, as you know we might, it's only 20 to 12, and I'm already feeling all excited in my bones, but in this lovely one verse, John points us as Christians to the fact that we have been born again and we have believed in Jesus. Now, I know in Northern Ireland that's not something that sounds very extraordinary, is it? We're always talking about being born again. We're saved. We're Christians. We're washed in the blood. We're redeemed by the Lamb. We love that in Northern Ireland. That is how we speak. And here in Ballinahinch, we have an endless supply of churches that are proclaiming this very message this morning. But friends, often I don't think it, it drops into my consciousness enough. Often I, I think when I read verses like this and consider that I have been a Christian, a saved man for now over 20 years, I don't think I realize the magnitude of that. Consider with me for a wee moment what has happened in our lives. You see, once upon a time in your life, and it was maybe 60 years ago, or it was maybe just the other day, but there was a point in your life where you were an enemy of God. Where you, like me, were, were a child of wrath. Paul tells us that in Ephesians 2. We were enemies of God. We were hostile to him. We wanted nothing to do with him. And we have started this service this morning with a quote from Psalm 119 that says, The statutes of the Lord are our song. Friends, there was a time you didn't sing God's word. You didn't want God's word. You didn't want to listen to God's word. But there was an extraordinary moment in your life where you exited death and moved into life. I promised no Brexit references, but bear with me. This one's just come into my head. You exited death and moved into life. In a way, you said to Satan, I'm leaving with no deal, and I'm throwing my lot in with Jesus. You left the wrath of God and moved into a place where he declared you righteous. Friends, for everyone who knows Christ as their Savior, that has happened. And John says, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. Belief and birth, it is exactly this that has happened in our lives. We should have and could have sung this morning about Nicodemus. Do you remember? Nicodemus came to Jesus. That's all the singing you're going to get. Don't want to make Robin look bad there this morning. But do you remember? Nicodemus came to Jesus one night long ago. And what did Jesus tell him? You must be born again. You must be born again. And what is so extraordinary about that? 
in Northern Ireland in 2019. We've heard that message for years and years and, and generations. Our mothers, God bless our mothers this morning, they told us about it, didn't they? And our granny and their grannies, they, they passed this down to us. What's so extraordinary about it? Well, friends, the extraordinary nature of the, of the new birth is that you and I had life breathed into us by the Holy Spirit. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, that the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. This was our great problem. We were dead in sin. The, the things of God were folly to us. We didn't want them. We didn't understand them. We couldn't do it. And yet at one point in our lives, the Spirit comes and he brings us from death to life. He he wakes us up. He causes us to be born again. Friends, I know this experience in my own life, as I'm sure you do. I remember once upon a time sitting in Ballywillan Presbyterian up on the north coast. And I worship there now with my family when we go on our holidays. And we sit up on the balcony, just like you balcony dwellers up there. All the rich people and the posh people sit up on the balcony. I used to sit up there too. And on that particular Sunday, I, I leant on the balcony because I'd been up all night. And I fell fast asleep. And the minister that day could have preached the best sermon that the world had ever heard. But I didn't hear it. Because I wasn't a bit interested. And I fell fast asleep on the balcony. And my youth leader roasted me on the way home. I was a disgrace. I was a, an ignoramus. I, I didn't care for the things of God. And then what happened? I became a Presbyterian minister. It breaks my heart when I see people sleeping. And I do see you. Please bear that in mind. When I'm up here, I see everything. And it's an interesting choice of sweets in that back row this morning. What happened to me? Born again, that's what happened to me. Born again. From death to life. Where I grew up in East Belfast, there was a church near us called St. Donner's. And it's a church of Ireland, and they very helpfully played the bells every single Sunday morning to get the faithful to church. And there I was, two streets away, maybe carrying a hangover or something ridiculous like that, and thinking, would they ever quit those bells? I wanted nothing to do with the people of God, the things of God, the Word of God. I was not a saved man. And what happened in my life? Holy Spirit brought me from death to life. He caused me to be born again. He caused me to receive Christ as my Savior. The dead man can't do that for himself. My friends, this morning, if, if you bear that name Christian, and maybe you bear it quietly in your house, nobody else cares about it, so you you bear it quietly. Or maybe you're one of these Christians that shouts about it in the highways and byways. What, whatever sort of Christian you are, if you bear that name, then what has happened to you is, is that you have been born of God and the Spirit has caused you to believe that Jesus is the Christ. Here's the extraordinary, encouraging word from John as he finishes this letter. And I hope that is extraordinary to you. Even after... 80 years. I hope it still thrills you that, that once you were lost, but now you're found. Once you're blind, but now you see. That's what has happened for the Christian. Dead in sin, 
and now alive in Christ, and not by works, but by the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit who causes us to be born again to a living hope. This has happened to me, and I know it has happened to many of you. And not only are we caused to be born again as the Spirit works in us, and not only does he lead us to Jesus and, and enable us to claim Christ as our own, to believe that Jesus is the Christ, but also the Lord saves us to, to serve. He saves us for a purpose. And I love the fact how this is all tied in uh, with Junior Jude. I, I didn't plan this, but as I've been preparing, I, I praise God that sometimes he just brings things together in a way that I could never do. If you've ever read the story of Enoch, and I would urge you to do it today with your kids, read the story of Enoch. Nothing is really told about this man. The false teachers in the book of Jude, you know more about them and what they are like than you do about Enoch. He didn't write a book that was used against the false teachers. Don't go today looking for the book of Enoch or the assumption of Moses. They are not of God. But what God tells us about Enoch Enoch walked with God. That's it. That's it. And do you remember once upon a time you dreamed of a big life? Do you remember you once upon a time wanted to be the Prime Minister? Now you're glad you dodged that bullet. But do you remember once upon a time you wanted to be famous? And as soon as you could get out of your mother and father's house, you were going to leave Balnehinch and never come back? Do you remember that time? And what's happened? You're still in Balnehinch. And you still live with your mother and father. They're 160 and you're 98 or something. And you, it's never going to end. But friends, regardless of, of how famous you are, the most extraordinary thing that could ever happen in any single one of our lives is that you walk with God. That's it. That you're obedient unto what he has said. John says in verse 2, By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and obey his commandments. So when we love God and follow him, that natural life of obedience flows out of it, and we love our brothers and sisters, as John has urged us throughout this letter. For this is the love of God, he says in verse 3, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. I love that phrase, because... For all of us, once upon a time, his commandments were burdensome. Maybe you went to a Sunday school where uh, your teacher wanted you to memorize the Lord's Prayer and he wanted you to get into your head the Ten Commandments. And you remember thinking, oh, this is just so weary and, and disappointing and worthless. But now that we have been born again, that the Spirit has caused us to believe in Christ, now we can say that the, the commandments of God are not burdensome. We have been saved, maybe not for a life of fame and fortune, but a life of obedience, where we follow the word of God and we sing his praise and we love our brothers and sisters in Christ and we seek to proclaim the gospel wherever we go. That is our life. And friends, I'm happy enough with that. If you never get your name up on lights or you're never known outside of your street or outside of Langley Road, that's okay. Because if you know Christ, then that wonderful statement of faith that was said about Enoch can be said about you. You walk with God. Christ has come. And he has given us the Spirit. And the Spirit brings us from death to life into a life of obedience. And ultimately, my brothers and sisters, a, a life of victory. 
He says in verse 4 and 5, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. Everyone who has been born of God, says John, need not fear what this world has to offer. We, we are going to live a life that will ultimately end in victory. And you think, well, well, Scott, it doesn't feel victorious at the minute because, you know, I'm not very faithful in my evangelism. And I'm not very passionate in my prayers. And, and it seems the things that I struggled with for a long time, I still struggle with. And, and there doesn't seem to be much victory in me. John says here, our victory is secure. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Two words. Our faith. See, John doesn't say your, your victory depends on you. He doesn't point you to your successes and say, look, you're, you're living a victorious life because you've, you've climbed Mount Everest and every Christian in the world knows you and, and you know the Bible back to front. He doesn't say any of that. He says, this is the victory that overcomes the world. It is your spirit-worked faith. And as I've said many times, what is faith? It is a receiving and a resting in Christ as he is offered to us in the gospel. Our faith will ultimately see us overcome the world. And we see today in every part of the world turmoil and difficulties and pondering and wondering what sort of world is this going to be like for our children. But as Christians, in the midst of those questions, we do not need to allow the bad news to torpedo our ship because instead we know that because we have received Jesus, because we have trusted in him, then he has given us the victory already. Who is it? says John in verse 5, that overcomes the world, except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. See, you'd love it, wouldn't you, if more people realized that? Where do you get your victory in life? Well, it's, it's from having a, a good body and a good life and a good wage and a, uh, and a good car. The victory comes from those things, doesn't it? Or the victory comes when, when you live the dream. I'm guilty of that, I ask about 100 people a week. Are you living the dream? And I do it. It's just my way of saying hello. Are you living the dream? And everybody always says, oh, yes. But probably push comes to shove. We're not really living the dream, are we? We're a wee bit disappointed sometimes with our lot in life. Sometimes we even come into church and we don't think we have much to be thankful for. But John his word of encouragement to finish this letter says through faith you will and you have overcome this world Jesus tells his disciples in John 16 exactly this he says in verse 33 I have said these things to you that in me again faith in Christ receiving and resting in me you may have peace in the world you will have tribulation. You will have difficulty, says Jesus. But take heart, says our Savior. I have overcome the world. Friends, today, maybe you woke up and were raging because you lost that hour. Or you woke up and all your children, and you've got about 17 of them, they all forgot give you a card or to burn toast for you or do all those other things that we do. Today you wake up and, and you know, you had bought a, a new union flag towel and you were looking forward to going to the EU this summer for your holidays to rub it in their face and, and you can't now. Folks, regardless of any of that, 
through faith in Christ, you have been born again. You believe that he is the son of God. You are saved for a life of obedience to, to walk with God and you will know victory. Little snippets of it, little tastes of it in this life, but certainly in the life to come, you will know victory. And it is that God won victory for sinners like us. You know, I know that we live in days where it is a struggle to, to know who to believe. See, once upon a time that, again, apologies, here's another reference. Brexit used to mean Brexit. That's certainly it. No more, all right? No more after that. But Brexit used to mean Brexit. No more after that one. But it's not so certain anymore. And you think, even as you notice this week, the, the posters going up. Have you noticed that in Parliament for the council elections? Soon they'll be round the doors. We're going to sort everything out for you in this council. Poor Davy Hunter, I know Davy. Davy's upset about the council. Somebody's nicked the sign across from his house. You know the one they used to paint over? So now it's gone completely. And when the alliance call around to big Davy, he'll be saying to them, what about my sign? And, you know, they're going to fix the world, aren't they? Folks, often we believe people that let us down and do not do a thing that they have promised, but we know who we have believed. And we know that we can read these verses and not preach them in vain this morning because we have trusted Christ. John says that in verse 6. He says, this is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. We know who it is that we have believed. We have believed Jesus who was born in the flesh. He, he came by water and by blood. We have believed Jesus who comes in the flesh and walks this perfect, obedient life, keeping the standards of God fully because we failed to do that. We have believed Jesus, the one who in a few weeks' time we will rejoice that he died on a cross and was raised again from the dead. We believe Jesus. And it is the Holy Spirit, says John, who testifies to us testifies and, and says, look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. The Holy Spirit testifies to our soul. He doesn't come and exaggerate. And the Spirit doesn't come to, to water the message down or soften it up. The Spirit comes and he tells us the truth because the Spirit is the truth. We have believed this message, my brothers and sisters. And it is a message that is sure and it is a message that is certain and God willing if we are here next week as we finish this letter that's exactly what John says he writes this so that you might be certain that you are saved how can we be certain because we have trusted in Christ and the spirit of God has said look at Jesus look at Jesus as John continues it gets all a wee bit controversial in verse 7, this is quite a, a famous verse. And if you look at it uh, in the Pew Bible, it will read, For there are three that testify. And that's all it says. But if you have an older version of the Scriptures, an older translation, uh, like for example, in, in the car I have the King James, and up in Port Rush I, I use the Geneva Bible. Those versions of the Scriptures, that verse will say this. For there are three that bear a record in heaven. The 
Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. And there are three that bear witness in earth. That wee bit is added if you've got an older translation of the scriptures. Why is that? Well, because uh, over the years, uh, we only can do what we can with the translations that are available to us. And some of the translations used in the translation of the King James and other Bibles had that little bit in it. Now, that wasn't added to the scriptures until about the 4th century. And when it was, it was written into the margin. It was a little footnote that over the years got added into this passage. And it wasn't in the Greek texts until around the 15th century. This is called the Johannine comma. And that bores you to tears, I'm sure. You'll not be telling your granny that the day when you, you take her her uh, Battenberg cake and wish her a happy Mother's Day. But that's what's going on. So if you're sitting there this morning with the King James, and you will have those extra bits in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one, and there are three that bear witness on earth. You will have that. But most modern translations, which try as best they can to go back to the earliest texts, leave that out, because that bit is not in the earliest texts. Now, I'm not going to fight with you on it. Uh, if you look at it, you've always read that and always believed that. It's not false. In heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, three yet one, they bear witness to the testimony that we have believed. But the earliest text didn't have it. And so I would suggest that in the Bible you're looking at in the pew, it is correct. There are three that testify. And who are the three? Verse 8 tells us. The Spirit and the water and the blood. And these three agree. If ever you've wondered, can we be sure about Jesus? John says, of course you can. Three testify to us about the, the certainty of Christ. Firstly, the Holy Spirit, says John. The Spirit testifies, and he is the Spirit of God. We've already heard. He is the one who, who speaks truth. He is truth. And the Lord Jesus Christ made that absolutely clear. Again, in John 16, uh, he made it clear to his disciples that it is to, my, uh, to your benefit that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Comforter cannot come. The Spirit cannot come. And Jesus says, when the Spirit of truth comes, what will he do? He will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine, therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The Spirit was sent to testify about Jesus, to proclaim Christ, to lead us in all truth. The three testify, and they agree, the Spirit, and then the water. What is that a reference to? Well, it points us back to the baptism of the Lord Jesus Christ. How can we trust Jesus? Well, as we read about his baptism, we see like the, the statement of authority that is stamped on his life. In Matthew 3, we read that when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Who is it that we have believed? The one who the Spirit has testified about. 
And who is this one? He is the one who came and was baptized to identify with sinners. And as he was baptized, the father declared, This is my son. This is my son with whom I am well pleased. There are three agreed. The spirit and the water and the blood. And of course, that one probably we are more familiar with. Because we rejoice, don't we, about the cross of Jesus Christ that that is able to to save us to the uttermost as we receive Christ by faith, his finished work at Calvary and his raising from the dead. It is enough to save the most wretched of sinners. Because we believe that Christ is the Lamb of God who came to take away the sin of the world. We read this in Hebrews chapter 9. Under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. In Hebrews 9, Paul has already told us that Christ is our great high priest. He is able to sympathize with our weakness. And he has come not with the blood of bulls and goats and rams. He has come with his own blood. He is the Lamb of God. The blood of Christ has lost none of its power. And so can we be certain this morning? With this encouraging word from John, can we be sure? John says, of course you can. For there are three that testify, the spirit, the water, the blood, and they all agree that Jesus Christ is worth believing. And so my brothers and sisters, as John says, if we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. And for this is the testimony of God, that he is born concerning his son. That whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. Friends, we have received this testimony. God himself has spoken. And if you believe today when you go down the street that tomorrow in B&M they're giving out 20 pound notes of if somebody you meet in Balnehinch tells you that and you believe that and you think that that's going to happen, friends, you may cross your fingers and hope for the best. I suspect it won't be true, but if you come and trust the Lord, everything he has ever said, every testament that he has ever brought is true. And today, as men and women of faith, we can say that because we have been born again, because we have believed this testimony, We are sure. And on certain troubled days, we are sure that we have exited darkness and moved into light. But friends, as this encouraging word nearly comes to a close, John also raises the flag somewhat and says, but whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his son end of verse 10, that is absolutely clear. Imagine that statement over your life when your final day comes. Not that Jim walked with God, but but Jim basically called God a liar. Not that Susie walked with God all her days, but, but Susie heard the testimony of God and questioned it to the day that she died and called the Lord a liar. You might say, Scott, I would never do that. I would never be so dramatic, but that's what John says. 
whoever does not believe God has made God a liar. It's as if you've pointed the finger to him and said, you've not given me enough evidence. I don't believe a word you say. I'm still not sure. Friends, do not make God a liar. The Lord himself has has borne this testimony about his son. This is the testimony, says John in verse 11, that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. As Christians today, whoever has the Son, verse 12, has life. But today, if you do not have the Son, then you do not have life. It's abundantly clear. It is remarkably straightforward. And today, as I hope we go our separate ways, as, as Christians, as we go home, or to another home where we celebrate a mum or a granny or whatever we're going to do. I do hope you will go, and I will be watching. I want to see skipping up the car park. And if someone says, why are you skipping? And you've got an arthritic hip. Why are you skipping? I want you to say, because I am born again. But if you cannot yet skip, bad hip or not, but mostly because you have a, a bad heart that is still not forgiven, Jesus is the testimony. Jesus is the way. And friends, today, all who have trusted Christ certainly will be saved. Would you not claim that yourself? Scott Woodburn walked with God. So do many others in here. Come on and join us. Jesus is the testimony. Whoever does not have him does not have life. Amen. And we thank God today for his word.